thing to know that Jesus is coming again. Amen. This same Jesus, is, he's coming again. Praise God for that. Take our Bibles tonight to Acts chapter number 6. We're moving right along through the book of Acts. We've got a long ways to go, but we're moving. And so Acts chapter number 6 tonight, we'll get started in chapter 6 and see where we get to this evening. Acts chapter number 6, and we're going to start reading in verse number 1. The Bible tells us there in verse number 1, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give, look there in verse number four, ourselves continually to prayer, and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nacor, and Timon, and not Pumbaa, he's not next. And then uh, some of you got that there. And um, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they had set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Father, I pray that you'd bless the next few minutes that we have tonight as we look at this passage of Scripture. This passage is important. As we look at tonight, there are a lot of things, and we know your, your entire word is important. But as we look here at this passage tonight, and as we look at our, some future things in our church coming up, I think that this passage is important to us. Pray that you would guide us tonight and help us. We need your help. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed anything as we started the book of Acts. The church has already gone through quite a bit to this point. If it isn't the high priest and the persecution on the outside... You have Ananias and Sapphira and them lying to the Holy Ghost and what took place at that moment. And then we see they are beaten. The devil did his best to discourage the church. The devil hates the church. The devil hates the work of God. The devil wants the work of God to stop. He's been trying for 2,000 years to erase the name of Christ everywhere, and it's still being preached to this day. But as we look here... The disciples, they started in a room with about 120. If we go back, they started with 12. That 12, by the beginning of Acts, grew to about 120. We see after that that 3,000 were saved and added unto them. The church went very quick from 120 to over 3,000. Imagine that one right there. Imagine what would we have to do if 3,000 people showed up. What would we do? It would be a fun problem to have. 5,000 more added. This is easily a church of over 10,000 by this time. Easily. It's a big church. It's multiplying and growing. The problem you have when a church grows, there are issues that come from growing. Now, as we talk about this tonight and we look at this passage and see some things for ourselves, 
I want you to understand there are some people that don't like to see churches grow. They like it being small enough that they, you know, that they have access to the pastor to themselves all the time. They like that. And I get that. Who wouldn't want to spend time with the pastor, right? That's a joke. That's a joke. There are some people that don't like all the things that happen when you have growth. When there's growth, buildings get dirty a lot easier. When there's growth, things break a lot easier. When there's growth, plumbing in an old place doesn't work like plumbing should because it's not meant for that many people. When there's growth problems, you have to park down the street because there's no parking when the pastor lets out the first service late. Those are growing pains and problems that come because of growth. Growth is a good thing. You say, well, why is growth a good thing? Last time I checked, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Lord's the one who brings the increase. I think that's clear through the book of Acts. We faithfully do what God called us to do, and God brings the growth, and God does that. It's not up to us how our church grows. Well, I want my church to grow by this number. Today I mentioned is 12 years of pastoring Victory Baptist Church. In 12 years, so I was, I'm 37 now, I was 25 when I started pastoring here. Just a young, handsome-looking guy. And, uh, you know, you look back at that time, Caroline was only two months away from having William. William wasn't even here yet when I started pastoring here. Now he's as tall as a weed. He's just shooting on up. We were noticing that earlier on how tall he's getting. Back in those days, I had some thoughts that this is how we're going to grow, and this is how it's going to work. Twelve years in, I want to tell you something. None of those thoughts have happened. My plans have not happened the way I thought it would go. And every time you think there's some good momentum and things are doing really well, then something happens. Like, I, like I'll tell you, we had some really good momentum going, and then COVID hit. I mean really good momentum. I was debating if we were going to have to do a third service at that time. You say, well, when would we do a third service on a Sunday morning? When the two services are full for two months, eight straight weeks, when they're both full, then we'll consider it. Until then, I'm not considering it. And I'm also praying for a bigger building. I'll give you a little thought here. Did you know the church that um, we bought this from in 1970, the Brother in Christ Church, it's Gateway Community on Schaefer and Oaks at the corner there. They just got permission from the city to move. They are moving, and they are, so you have College Park over here, you have Oaks and Edison, and you have that big apartment complex. There's this open field there. They want their church right there in the middle of that area, and the city is allowing them to do that. Now, their church was literally about 20 or 30 people, if that. Remember, Mark, I had you go visit them one day, you and Mona, back in the day? And, um, they have three different churches that have merged with them, and so they have the money to build a building over there. Well, they just sold their seven acres to the guy. They traded the guy that wanted their acreage, and so they are going to tear all those buildings down. Almost 300-seat auditorium and a bunch of classrooms. And they have seven acres. He's an industrial guy that wants to build industrial buildings. Literally, though, that if they 
straight left, two acres on that corner, there's a building that just got re-roofed, just has been updated, that is going to be torn down in three years. I say, well, what does that have to do with us? I'm asking God to give it to us and work it out. You say, well, how's that? I don't know. I'm not worried about that right now. I just know that verse that says he have not because he asked not, right? And maybe, what if it's God's will? That he's opening up the door right there. So I'd encourage you to pray about something like that. I don't know. I don't like double services. Maybe you do. I don't. I would love for everyone on a Sunday morning to be in one building. Wouldn't that be nice? I'd like to pour all my energy into one sermon and preach for two hours at one time instead of having to split it up. Imagine how fast we get through the entire word of God if I could just do it once and just cover a whole chapter and have two hours of preaching. Some of you are like, well, I'm not going to be praying for that now. But when you grow, you run into problems. The early church had problems. And that happens with growth. The issue is, how do you respond to the problems? And how you respond and what you do, how the Lord works, really depends on what happens next. In the early church, we look at these verses here tonight, and we see that there was some murmuring going on. Some Christians here felt that they were being neglected. The truth is, we don't know if they were truly being neglected or not. They had a concern that they were being neglected. And that, look at the verses here. Look at verse number one there. It says, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, so the church is growing, the followers of Christ, and the disciple means a follower of Christ. You'll notice that a lot of times now when it refers to the disciples, it calls them the apostles, not the disciples. But in, even in some of these passages, it still goes that way. But when we think about a disciple, we think about a follower of Christ. And as we look at this, and um, let's look at verse number two. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. So this is not just referring to the twelve, this is referring to all the followers of Christ here as a disciple. I would hope today that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. We should be. A committed follower of Jesus Christ. That's, I hope you are. We live in a day and age where there are a lot of fans of Jesus. It's like those fair weather sports fans. Your team does great, and man, you're really talking big about them. But you know, Harrison, I got handed to you. When the Cowboys are bad, you still cheer them on. When they're good, you cheer them on. And I'm a Charger fan. When they're good, I cheer them on. When they're bad, which is 90% of the time, I still cheer them on. I'm still there. A lot of Christians, life goes bad and they stop on God because God's not being nice to them. That, you're just a fair-weather fan. God never called anybody to be a fan. He called you to be a follower, to be a disciple. As we look here, we see these issues are going on. Look what it says, verse number one there, and there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. Now, as we look at this and we think about these things, there's a problem that takes place. And there are some people that feel neglected here. Now, when you see the Grecians here and the Jews, there's already kind of a problem there to begin with. Because the Jews really feel that they're the greatest people in all the world. And everyone else was a second-rate citizen. There was even that issue in the early church with some things where you would look, and unless you're circumcised like us, you're not like us. 
And you need to be like us, and that's not the way the Lord designed it to be. And so as we look at this, we see problems were arising. How they would handle this and what would take place here really help this church do what God wanted them to do. And as we look at this tonight, we're going to look at several things, and then we'll be done. But number one, as we dive into our notes, we see there's a problem. Number one, there's a problem. And as we look here, and this way you got to understand something. When a church grows, when growth comes, when the disciples are multiplied here, problems come. It's a part of life. If you think that being in a church means you'll never have a problem ever again, there's something wrong with you, and you haven't been in church long enough to realize that problems even come in church. And with growth, it happens. And you've got to adapt and work through these things. So we see, number one, we see there's a problem. What is the problem? Letter A. We see that there's a complaint. It's amazing the complaints that come into church, right? So-and-so didn't shake my hand. Ever hear that one before? Say, like no one would ever say that. I get phone calls every once in a while. Pastor, you didn't shake my hand today. Like, you sneezed in your hand. Why am I going to shake your hand when you just sneezed in that same hand? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding when I say that. But really, some people, Pastor, you haven't seen me in months. And there's not 200 other people I got to go see. We don't think about that. Pastor, you're not my beck and call. There's a lot of people to be at their beck and call. There was a complaint. We look at the complaint right here, and we see that, and you got to understand, the Hebrews tended to be more rigid and more narrow with things. But we see they, there was a complaint. And may I just say that because there was a complaint, we see that letter B, there was a need. There was something being neglected in the church. And that's what happens. The more a church grows, you can't just depend on the pastor to do everything. Because when something grows, there's going to be areas that get left behind, which means there's going to be needs that arise from those areas. We see that right here in this passage. And we see that there was tension. This tension had grown. This was known in the church here. And these, you got to understand, they believe, you know, rightly or wrongly, whatever the case may be, but there was tension. And this tension was between the Greeks and the Jews here. Now, you got to understand something. There's already tension there. What better area for Satan to get a foothold in the church? Think about this. This church is doing God's work. They've been persecuted. Don't you preach in that guy's name anymore. Don't ever mention Jesus. They beat him. They leave there, and they're grateful that they get to do it, and they keep going preaching, and they preach, and they preach, and Satan finds this little thing. There's a dispute between the Greeks and the Jews in this church. Satan wanted to divide that church. Because let me help you tonight. A divided church does nothing for God. We got to be unified together. And we see this need arise. We see these things take place. And what happens because of this? Number two, we see there's a church business meeting. They have a church business meeting. You see, they didn't call out to some headquarters, somewhere denominational headquarters, and have them come figure out their problems. God didn't design there to be a mothership or a dictatorship over a church. 
a denominational head. Because this is the thing. A denominational head doesn't know what's going on in a local church. You know, and... Oh, i got to be careful what I say. Sad thing is, most Christians don't even know what's going on in their own church. And that's sad. If this is your church, you should know what's going on in your church. You should know the cares, the needs that are there. Because this is your church. You know how to take care of your house. And if something needs fixed, you fix it. You take care of all your stuff, but then it comes to the things of God. And, oh, I just don't know. No, this is your church. If this is your church then you should know what's going on. You should know the struggles that there are. You should do your best to help participate in events that take place. You should do your best to give to help support it if this is your church. And that's a side note there. Verse 2. The pastor, we're, we're good. Verse 2. But isn't that true? If this is your church, you should be. If this is your church, be involved. Do something. Support it. Do your best. Find a place. You say, there's just no place for me. There's places all over. God doesn't place you somewhere. If this is where God's called you to be, guess what? There is a place for you right here. There's people that need you. There's a job that you need to fill. We see there's a church business meeting that takes place. Verse number two. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So as we see here, we see, first of all, there's a bit takes place. I call it the church business meeting, but you know there's a meeting that takes place. When we look at this, we see letter A in this meeting, we see the need to delegate responsibility. The need to delegate responsibility. It is important in a church that not one person does everything. Because what happens if that one person is gone? There's a lot of things to figure out. And imagine what can be done when people take care of responsibilities and step up. We see that the church was getting big, real big, and there were areas being neglected. And the meeting is called together, and they realize the fact they needed to delegate some responsibility. You will notice the fact of what, look what the Bible says here. The Bible says you need to find good men, respected men. You need to find godly men that are full of the Holy Ghost. You need to find gifted men. And so what we got to understand is this is the calling of deacons here. So this is not God saying that there aren't godly women but the Bible makes it clear that a deacon should be a man. That's Bible. That's not Brian, that's Bible. Say, so I just don't know if I agree with that. Then in your own time, read 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and see what the Bible has to say about a pastor. And last time I checked, no woman is supposed to be a pastor. And a deacon is supposed to be a man as well. That's God's decision, not mine. As we look at this, what I want you to understand is 
we see good men, godly men, even gifted men full of wisdom. This lesson, and as we talk about these things, it's not about tonight the qualifications of a deacon. Those are out there, and we can talk about those things. But what I see in the church that needed to happen was there needed to be a share of responsibility. That's what needed to be there. The need was there. We see letter B here, what the primary responsibility of the apostles was. What was the apostles' responsibility? What was their primary need? What did they need to do? We see it here. We see, number one, the word of God. Look there at chapter 6. And look down there at verse number, um, verse number two there. It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, also you're saying the apostles were too good to serve at tables. No, 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 no. Some of the greatest servants you'll ever find in the Bible were these apostles right here. Jesus taught them how to serve. But what they realized was the most important job they had was to be in God's word to give it to God's people. That was their most important job. Not only the word of God, but we see number two, we see the ministry. It says right there, and not leave the word of God and serve tables. In verse number four, it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what, is, what was the apostles' primary job? To be in the word of God, to spend time in prayer, and to equip God's people to do what God wanted them to do. That was their primary function. That was their primary and yes, in that, there are times that you have to take care of complaints. There's people you go visit. There are things that you do. But the primary job of the apostles was to preach the word, to spend time in prayer, and to do the ministry of the word. And the ministry of the word is very clear in the book of Ephesians, that God gives you a pastor and those in your life to help equip you to do God's work. We'll talk more about this and round this out towards the end. What we see as we go through here is the last thing I want you to see. And we're almost done. Aren't you proud of me tonight? Don't worry. Still, remember I said finally this morning, and then we had a whole message after that, and there's still two more chapters to go in 1 Peter. Number three, Roman numeral number three, we see how the church responds. There was a problem in the church. There was a complaint and a need that need to be taken care of. The apostles bring the church together, and the apostles tell them what the church needs. Now, how does the church respond to that? Look at verse number five. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And then they chose these men, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And what happens here? What because, look at how they, they respond, and they respond. It pleased them. This is a good thing. We need to do this. If we're going to continue to do God's work, and we're going to take care of these problems here, we need to get these men here to do this, to step up in some responsibility, so that we can do greater work for God. And look at how God blesses them in their response. Look at verse 7. It says, And the word of God increased... And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Amen. Do you see that there? The word of God increased. I don't hear some more complaints here, do you? What other? No. The need was taken care of. 
it was met and done. And the disciples were able to preach the word and get the word out and pray. And with the ministry of the word, God's people and the church continued to grow. With that being said tonight, I knew at some point we would get to this passage here. And I've known this for a while because Acts chapter 6 comes after Acts chapter 5, right? So I knew it was going to come at one of these points. You figured that one out. You might have realized, let me give you some back thinking here. I'm not, I'm as unorganized and as crazy as I seem sometimes, I really have a method to all my madness, okay? Do you remember that right when COVID hit, I had just started a series in the book of Acts? Do you remember that? Anybody remember that? How many of you remember, a few of you remember that? Okay, good, I'm glad at least two of us remember that. That's good. I started the first two messages, and then I saw... Everything was teeter-tottering and falling apart before our very eyes. And I'm like, it's not the time to go through the book of Acts. And I stopped. And I started to back up a while back. Because I don't know if you've realized or not, the church is finally back to where it was pre-COVID. It's literally just getting there. Two weeks ago, there was no place to sit, really, in either one of the morning services. Then last week, there was half the room in both services to sit. And this week was better again. One of the reasons why I wanted to preach through this passage, and I wanted us to see some things, is because I sincerely believe that unless we change some things in our church, we are not going to be able to continue to grow and be what God wants us to be. Let me put this as plain and simple as I can. The pastor can't just share the responsibility of everything. You don't have a superman for a pastor. You have a weak man for your pastor. But in all honesty, everything, everything falls on your pastor. All you got to do is call me. Why don't you just show up? People say that often. Just call me. By the time I call you, and by the time you figure everything out, I can just have it done. A long time ago, we had some deacons and things, and I got, we got to understand something. We need to understand what the role of deacons are in a church as well. Nowhere do I see, do you see this is where deacons were called? I don't see anywhere here where the deacons had power in the church and split churches and did anything. They were there to help. That's what a deacon does. But I'll tell you this. Our church business meeting probably will not take place. Our annual one will probably not take place till January or February because we are working on the process of finding some deacons. Not just for a title but to help the ministry. If you want a pastor that can go the long haul and the long run, you better get him some help to do the job. I'm not trying to sugarcoat, I'm not trying to be, and I'm not trying to be mean. I had some help with Jay around here and Marquise, we couldn't afford to pay them. And technically a church our size, there should be no problem with the money that comes into this place, if we're being honest tonight. 
we should be able to have a full, couple full-time staff members easily. But it's where we're at, and that's okay. I'm not complaining. At 37, I can run circles around and still do a lot of things. There's going to be a day I'm going to be 50. There's going to be a day I'm 40. And there, it's going to slow down at some point. At the moment, I'm, I'm okay doing what, and I'm, I'm spread pretty thin. I'm okay at the moment. But there's going to come a day where I can't. And if we don't figure that out now and respond correctly, why is God going to bless and have the church keep growing if we're not taking care of the needs that are there? My primary function and responsibility as the pastor of this church is to preach God's word to you. That's my primary job. That's what God's called me to do. God's called me to this book. God's called me to prayer for you. God's called me to equip you to do God's work as I work alongside of you. This is not a response or a thought that pastor's trying to be lazy now. I'll still work circles around you around here. Anybody want to try to work harder than me in this place? We'll see what happens. What I'm trying to say is, if we're going to move forward for God, there's got to be people that step up. And the problem is, most of the time, the people who come and say, I'll do it, are the ones who shouldn't do it. If you notice, I don't see in this passage of Scripture that Philip came running up and said, I'm the man for the job. I'll be the best deacon you ever had. No, I bet he was one of the quiet ones that was just sitting back faithfully loving God, and he was respected among them. He was faithful. I hear people often, Pastor, I'll do more. You can't even come to church more than once a week. How are you going to be faithful? I'll teach a class, and you can't come three times a week. You can't go knock a door or tell someone about Jesus. Why should you be teaching? You say, well, that's kind of tough. We need to be faithful. In the past, what has happened is I've given out responsibilities, and then they come back to bite me because that person wasn't ready for the job. I don't know if you realized, we, last year and a half, we changed everything to a team concept. And I'm in charge of the team. You say, why are you in charge? You're in charge of everything. I'm waiting for someone to faithfully do their job and get along with people that we can train to lead in that area. That's all I'm waiting for. When that happens, I will get out of it and gladly get out of it. Sometimes I think people have this idea about your about this guy right here that I'm kind of power hungry and I want to be in on it. I don't. I would love to be able to spend more time in God's word. I'd love to have more time to visit God's people. You know, it used to be, you know, I was thinking about tonight, 12 years of pastoring here. And this was, Sunday night was when I came over here. And uh, we literally had, I think, about 15 of us that night. Remember, I thought from the, and, uh, and I was hoping tonight, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, John and Debbie are here, and those here, was Mar Marion, were you here that night? I don't know if you were, were you, I think, I don't know. I know Rick was here, and the Willises were here, 
and then Belinda and Anthony were here. And when there was 15 people or 20, I could spend hours at people's houses. I remember the first couple Christmas days, my thing that I would do is Caroline would make baked goods, and I would go to everyone's house on Christmas Day. Say, how did you do that and spend time with your family? There was only five stops or six the first couple times. And I could visit everyone by noon, spend a little time with them. And I had a little routine with Rick. He would have me breakfast ready to go. That cinnamon roll from Cinnabon. That's what, and I would have a Cinnabon sitting there, and he'd try and get me to drink coffee, and I still wasn't at that time doing any coffee. And always, it was about a couple was it last year or two years ago, I decided to go try and visit everybody. It took me a month. It took me a month. And when some of you live out in Timbuktu, that doesn't help me either. And when I say Timbuktu, I'm talking about Fontana and things like that. That's Timbuktu. With traffic, it is Timbuktu. And sometimes I'll get, well, pastor, you haven't been by to visit me in a while. Where am I supposed to have time to? You know what one of the responsibilities of a deacon is? To help the pastor visit people and to encourage God's people. And so, with all that being said, we are getting to the point where coming up soon, I'm going to be approaching some of you if you're interested in becoming a deacon. It's a husband and wife responsibility together, I sincerely believe. Because the wife's mentioned, too, it's a team effort. And I want us as a church to be praying about these things. And as we look at these responsibilities, I'm also looking at one of the areas, okay, you all know me pretty well, right? I would say I am probably one of the most organized people in the world. And I'm just very good at organization. What are you shaking your head no for over there, Mark? I'm not. That's the, that's the biggest lie of the day so far. I'm not. I'm looking at having someone five or six hours a week just help me with administration and scheduling. Imagine how much that would help. But that's going to involve paying someone a little bit. Johnny's graduating college in a few months. I really want to hire him to come back. We aren't going to be able to hire him full-time, but part-time, and you have a job part-time. That's in May. So how are we going to do I don't know. We're going to figure it out. We need to. Someday he feels God's calling to start a church, and he comes back here and helps us for a while, and we help him grow. Because one thing I learned when you get right out of Bible college, you know less than what you did when you walked into Bible college. What ministry is, is the day in and day out, and it's people and getting along with people. That's what ministry is. And then wouldn't it be awesome in a few years we could help him start a church somewhere, our church help him start somewhere? Not do any rule over it, just help him start it. Go knock doors for him. Pay the building expenses to begin with. Get things going. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? I think that'd be awesome. Isn't that what the early church did? They started other churches too. And a homegrown kid starting a church? Think about that one. Think about how all those things are. But this is the thing. 
how we respond to it. This has not been something that I've just been coming tonight. Oh, is this message tonight? It's been prayer for a long time. And the reason I didn't mention it two years ago and stopped the series was because we were not growing. And when you aren't growing and things are tumbling some, you can handle it. 